I appreciate that. Our uh, song we sang, a new song this month, The King of Love My Shepherd Is, and that's fitting, um, because today we're going to be looking at Psalm 23. So Psalm 23. Uh, familiar psalm. In fact, it's probably uh, one of the most quoted texts in all of Scripture. Um, I don't know who wins, John 3.16 or Psalm 23, but they're both right up there together. Uh, but uh, certainly a, an encouraging psalm, an encouraging psalm, something that, that ought to encourage our hearts this morning. Um, I'm going to read it aloud, Psalm 23, if you would follow along with me as I read it. Psalm 23 begins, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this great truth, this great passage. Father, that we can look to our Lord as our shepherd if we have a personal relationship with you. Father, it is a great privilege be one of your children. And Father, as we think of the blessings and the benefits that come from being under your leadership, from your guidance and your direction, we pray, Lord, that you would just overwhelm our hearts with the love that you have bestowed upon us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there are only six verses in this psalm. It's only 118 words. And all of them are a great help in a time of need. This is a psalm that is read frequently when folks are sick. This is a psalm that's read regularly at funerals. And why? Because it's comforting. It's a comforting psalm. It's an encouraging psalm. And this is one of those psalms that a lot of folks will read as part of a daily routine. Why? Just because... It's a great reminder that the Lord really is our shepherd. So let's uh, work through this together, and uh, let's put a little bit in context. If we think in terms of the book of Psalms, sometimes we, we uh, almost read the Psalms individually as though they're just different uh, individual things, but there actually is uh, some structure and organization in the book of Psalms. Uh, it's not as though they're, they're, not, they're entirely out of context or, or something like that. Psalm 22, right before this, is actually what some people call the Psalm of the Cross. And uh, I, the verse 1 of Psalm 22 are words that you will know well. Verse 1 of Psalm 22 says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That, that's the beginning. We, we think of those words with Jesus speaking those on the cross, uh, but what he's speaking there goes back to what was prophesied all the way back in Psalm 22. After Psalm 23 comes Psalm 24. Psalm 24 is often called the Psalm of the Kingdom. 
Verse 1 of Psalm 24 says, The Lord, the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. So let's put that in, in context. Right, right before Psalm 23, we have, we have Calvary. Um, right after it is the, the, king, the kingdom of the Lord, the, the kingdom of God. And so uh, some have called it, we, we go from Calvary to Mount Zion. Right? That's the, the actual language and description that's been used there. And right in between it are green pastures, right, where the Lord is our shepherd. Still waters of Psalm 23. This is a psalm that is incredibly helpful as we seek to apply its message to life. And, and it all begins with that very first promise in the first half of verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, psalm 23 is a psalm of David, and uh, he would have known a thing or two about being a shepherd. Uh, he spent his early years in that form of work and had been raised up as a shepherd even from a child. His family was uh, was a family that would have had would have had sheep there, and now instead of David being the shepherd, he has to picture himself in another place. He has to take on the uh, the the actual characteristics of the sheep. Now uh, that's a little bit unusual in and of itself. Right? How many of you? Uh, you know, maybe you have a pet. Maybe you have a dog or a cat. How many of you ever have paused to think, boy, I wonder what my life would be like as a dog? Not something I usually do, right? Not something I usually do. We, it, usually the caregiver doesn't take time to, to put themselves in the place of, of that animal that they're taking care of. But that's exactly what, what David does here. He, he pictures himself as a sheep. He pictures himself as one who is under the care of someone else. And that makes sense when we put that in the context of who is taking care of David, right? The good shepherd, the great shepherd, the Lord himself. This is not unusual in the context of Scripture. In fact, God's children are, are, are often referred to as sheep. Not only that, there are times where God even looks out at his creation, all of those who he has made and created and views them as sheep. Isaiah 53, verse 6, describes it this way. It says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's certain characteristics of sheep there that, that we learn about from this passage, if we didn't know it already. Uh, and that's simple, that Sheep go astray. Right? There is a need for a shepherd when it comes to sheep. There, there is an actual uh, requirement for them to be there. You can't just take your sheep and say, all right, go, back, go out to the field, be back by dinner time, I'll see you later. Right? You can't do that. Why? Because they go astray. They go their own way. Uh, there actually has to be someone there to guide them, to help them, to, to, to rein them in, to, to lead them to the place to eat, to lead them to the place to drink. Otherwise, they just take off and they're gone. This passage points out that we are all like sheep. We go astray. We go after our own way. 
But the promise here is that instead of holding it to our charge and, in, and holding it to our account, the Lord took our iniquity, our sin, and placed it on Jesus. Who is he? The good shepherd. Now that kind of makes sense in terms of uh, the shepherding metaphor. You know, imagine the shepherd goes out with the sheep and, and, and all of the sheep were just to take off. Who would get charged for, for all of the sheep leaving? Would they, would they go to the sheep and say, you bad sheep, how dare you? Who do they blame? No, they blame it on the shepherd. Why? Because he must have been negligent. But in this case, it's totally different. Because the good shepherd, Jesus, is never negligent. He is always perfect. And yet the sin is laid on him. <laughs> Secondly, we see that when Jesus looked out at people, he saw them as sheep. Matthew 9, verse 36, describes it this way, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. That, that moved with compassion there is, is a, a word that means he was moved on the inside. He was deeply moved. And, and so when, when he looked out and saw all of these folks scattered with no leader, no head, they, they didn't align themselves under, under the king. He, he was moved. He was upset. He was compassionate toward them. See, the, the good thing is that God's sheep have this great shepherd. He's a wonderful shepherd. He is perfect. He cares for all their needs. In some ways, it's, it's a shame that in our society today, this, this word sheep ha, has become something used by Christians almost as a derogatory term toward other people. Oh, you're just sheep. You just follow along, right? We, we hear that kind of term today. Imagine if the Lord Jesus had looked upon us with that same type of language. Oh, you're, you're just sheep. We need to be careful when we use terms like that, that we, are, that we display the same type of compassion that the Lord Jesus Christ used toward, had toward other people rather than aligning ourselves with something that would be more akin to the accuser, right? The one who would call out against the people of the world. What does the Bible in the New Testament actually say about this shepherd? John 10, verse 11, says the following, I, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for a sheep. So Jesus is the good shepherd. He, he laid down his life. He died for sheep. Now, we normally don't like that term, but you can apply it to me all day. <laughs> to have a shepherd willing to lay down his life for me, I, I want to be in that fold. I want to be a part of being under his leadership. But you know, he's also a, a great shepherd who has risen for us. Hebrews 13, 20 says the following, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. See, he was raised from the dead. Jesus is resurrected. He is the great shepherd of the sheep. Not only that, he's the chief shepherd. He's not going to leave us alone. He is coming for us. First Peter 5, verse 4 says it this way, When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. 
So, so let's put that in context. Right? If we think about the people of the world, the biblical description that is given to them is sheep. There are those who are sheep who have no shepherd. There are those who finally come under the leadership of the shepherd and have the great shepherd as, as their ruler, as their God, as their king. And they have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here is that good shepherd. That, that sheep who has them as, as their good shepherd, he was willing to lay down his life for the life of his sheep. That, that metaphor makes sense, right? A, think of a shepherd going out and fighting against the wolves or the bears or whatever. He is willing to put his life on the line for the sake of his flock. This is much greater. This is Jesus Christ himself willing to lay down his life, not, not just for those who are his, but those who are even his enemies. He is willing to lay down his life for them. Why? Because he is a good shepherd. He cares for his sheep. So much so he dies for his sheep. It wasn't a battle or a fight where somehow he lost. No, he laid down his life. He gave it up. It's not like he lost to the bear. He didn't lose to the devil. That's not what went on. Jesus voluntarily laid down his life for the sheep. That's a good shepherd. But he didn't stay in the grave. He rose again the third day. He, we, we celebrate the resurrection. Why? Because he's a great shepherd. See, not only is he good, not only is he moral, not only does he do the right thing, but he is great, he is powerful, he is mighty. Not even the grave can hold him down. Not even the sins of the whole world can overcome him. We serve a great shepherd. He has risen for us. But perhaps, all of that's wonderful, but perhaps the most exciting part of all is that he didn't just leave us. Right? It's not as though Christ just ascended and somehow now we have to face the challenges and difficulties of life on our own. He's one who is still personally involved in our lives, who cares about what's going on, and so much so that he's going to come for us. We read it before, but 1 Peter 5.4, When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. You see, Jesus didn't leave us in this world alone. Sometimes we can get down. We can, we can feel the overwhelming stress or burden of this life. We can face the hardship of difficulties and challenges. And this life has many. But Jesus is coming again. And that ought to encourage us. That ought to lift our spirits. The question is simply this. Is the Lord Jesus Christ your shepherd? Is he actually your shepherd? Because that's what the very first verse begins with. The Lord is my shepherd. Can you answer that affirmatively? Or are you one of those sheep wandering around as sheep without a shepherd? Jesus wants to be your shepherd. Let me encourage you with this. If you're one of his sheep, he will provide for you. And he will provide for you abundantly. 
You want to know how? Well, that's what comes next. End of verse 1 says, I shall not want. Why? Because this great shepherd, he is enough. He can take care of you. He can take care of all of your needs. And he will fulfill all of your needs. That is his promise to you. This isn't simply, well, I, I, I don't want anything. That's not what it's saying. No, it, it is saying literally, you will not want. Meaning you will not lack for anything that you need. He will take care of it. Now that is a good shepherd. That is a good shepherd. But not only that, he, he will actually help you. Verse 2, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. What are green pastures to a sheep? Well, that's rest. And that's good food. Right? That's, that's things that sheep enjoy. If we think about the ways in which God feeds us today, certainly literally, right? He gives us our daily bread. I'm thankful that there's never been a day where I wondered, boy, am I, where's my next meal going to come from? Right? Certainly I've skipped a meal and been hungry, but that's not the hunger, right, that a lot of people experience around the world. That's not that type of hunger. Right? That. That's me just being normal <laughs> in a way, right? <laughs> Maybe I ate a little less for breakfast than, than what, you know, what I normally do, whatever that is. But here's the promise. Jesus will provide the food and the rest that you need. Doesn't mean you're not going to have hard days. That doesn't mean you're not going to have bad days. But he will provide for you. You see, some of this food has to do with the, the, the nourishment of your soul. The nourishment that comes from the very word of God. That he will help you to, to be prepared, to be rested up, to be well fed, not just physically, but spiritually. To have what you need to meet the demands and the challenges for that next day. Tomorrow may be hard. We don't know. It may be harder than today. We don't know. But along the way, he will provide for you and give you the rest and the nourishment you need, both physically and spiritually, to meet the demands of that next day. The next promise, he leadeth me beside the still waters. What is this? Drink. We need something to drink. We need a place to lay down and, and rest, to have comfort, to have peace. A, a place in which, which God provides for our, our refreshment. He does that. Often in Scripture, one of the ways that God uses and comforts us is by His Holy Spirit. I don't think it's no surprise that water is often used to symbolize the working of the Holy Spirit. John 7, verse 37, begins in the last day, the great day of the feast. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. 
But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. See, believers are given the Holy Spirit when they take on the Lord Jesus as their shepherd. They are revived and comforted. They are led beside the still waters. They're literally given the comforter, the Holy Spirit himself. It goes on in the next promise, in verse 3, is that he restoreth my soul. Does that mean? He, he revives me when I'm down. He helps me up. If I fall down, he picks me back up. It's a wonderful shepherd. Goes on, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He gives me guidance. Shows me the way. He doesn't leave me to my own devices. He points me on the path. And not just any path, the path of righteousness. Why? For my glory? No, for his for his glory, for his name's sake, to, to magnify his name on all the earth. It's all for the glory of God. Imagine if, if being a sheep meant that somehow the sheep was glorified. It wouldn't make any sense, right? It wouldn't make any sense at all. Any of you do 4-H? Anybody do that as a kid? 4-H? I was kind of in a 4-H community growing up. You know, they, they do judge the animals, right? And they, give, they put ribbons on the animals. But you know what happens to the animals after that? They go and they become hamburger meat or something like that. That's what happens next, right? It's really not for the animal's glory. It's, it's for the one who took care of the animal, right? That's who, for, what 4-H is about. It, it's not about raising wonderful animals. It's about raising wonderful people, <laughs> Right? Kids who learn responsibility and learn how to train and take care of animals. Why? It, it is the caretaker who gets the glory. And it's not about the sheep. It's about the shepherd. The glory belongs to God. Verse 4 goes on, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a great promise here. Right, there, there doesn't have to be any fear for that sheep, regardless of what comes, regardless of what is happening. Why? Because the shepherd is there. there. There is no need to be afraid of the darkness when the one who is there with us and leading us is described as light in and of himself. Christ is the very light. So regardless of what comes, regardless of what's happening, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be concerned. I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It's a wonderful thing to have a shepherd who is powerful. He has both a rod and a staff. He, he, can, he can not only provide for his sheep in terms of when they get out of line, a little bit of discipline to get back in and go in the right way. Not only that, but he, he is there with, with that, uh, that rod and that staff to, to ward off the, the wild animals and the different ones. He will provide protection for his sheep. Isn't it great to have that kind of shepherd in our lives? 
Verse 5 goes on, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. What is that? Whatever happens, Jesus takes care of his sheep. Right? He has prepared a place to eat. A place to take, be refreshed. He goes on, Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. We leave the sheep metaphor just a little bit here, right? Now we go to enjoying a, a banquet, a meal that God has set out and provided for us. The meal is laid out before us. The one who has prepared it is Christ himself. He has taken care of every need. Not only that, even our cup itself is overflowing. If you appreciate good service at a restaurant, you will appreciate that metaphor. Right? We don't want it quite overflowing, but we do like it filled all the time, right? Praise the Lord for that. See, that's the care that God provides for his children. You know, it's, it's I think, reasonable to just pause here and think for a moment. Why in the world would anybody do this for a sheep? <laughs> Why would anybody do all of these things for, for a sheep? It, it's not like we have something to offer him, right? If you think about the pasture, the shepherd and the sheep, at least they give off wool or, you, you know, you can eat them. <laughs> but but, but they, they have something to offer. There is a reason that they are fed and they are taken care of. There is something that the shepherd actually gains from that relationship. They don't put that much care into it for nothing. But here's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he cares for you, and he loves you, and and he's willing to, to lay down his life for you. And he gets nothing in return. It's not like you have some great, great thing to offer him. Right? He he made you. You wouldn't even exist if it weren't for him. Why in the world would he ever do that for you? He loves you in spite of who you are. Well, that we come to a point where we realize there's no value in ourselves. It's not because we somehow have money to offer. It's not because we have somehow gifts or talents or ability to somehow give him you know, we, we, we don't have something to offer to God and somehow he becomes complete. He is complete without us. There is nothing that he needs from us. And yet he still does all of this. And then we start to realize the actual definition of the word love. Right? The, the shepherd loves his sheep. And that's what is put on on demonstration for us day after day as Jesus cares for us and provides for us. How? He he prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. See, God takes care of his children. He takes care of, of his people. And regardless of what's going on, he will look after us. Even when our enemies are there. He will prepare the table for us when our enemies are there. He will look after us. Why? Because we are completely protected when he's there with us. Can you imagine sitting down to eat while your enemy is sitting there right against you? 
ready to kill you. Normally, if, if, if the enemy comes, they start invading the city. You don't just sit down and have a meal, right? You get up and go get your sword and you get ready for battle. Here's a, you don't have to worry about the battle. Your shepherd is there. He will take on the enemy. He will take on the battle. battle. You can trust in him. Surely goodness and mercy, verse 6, shall follow me all the days of my life. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Doesn't mean it won't be hard. Doesn't mean there won't be difficulty. Doesn't mean that there won't be challenges. But whatever comes, if we know the good shepherd, we can confidently say goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because we're his. Because we belong to him. Because he'll take care of us. So we think through the different aspects this passage presents to us the shepherd. It shows us the provision for the sheep. Lastly, and, and perhaps best of all, is the preparation for eternity. Verse 6 ends and says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, the, the best is yet to come. As good as all of that is in this life, the best is yet to come. And that ought to encourage us. Let me ask you this question this morning. It's a very, very simple question. What will your forever look like? What will your forever look like? It, it, it seems like a simple question. But it's pretty important, don't you think? I mean, the, the next however many years of life we have left on this earth, matters. It matters. That simple. It, it makes a difference. Right? And, and I wouldn't wish upon any of you a difficult, terrible, trial-filled, absolutely horrendous life. I would not wish that on any of you. But you know what's even more important? What will your forever look like? That's even more important. The question is one that is dependent upon your answer to that question. Who is your shepherd? Is Jesus your shepherd? See, David had Jesus for his shepherd. He had all of these promises. And he had confidence in his eternity that he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This morning I'd ask you that simple question. Have you ever made David's shepherd your own? Now the promise for those who have done that is that the shepherd is going to look after you. He will care for you. He will give you eternal life. Not only that, he will prepare a place for you for all eternity. Spurgeon put it this way. He said, while I am here, I will be a child alone with my God. The whole world will be his house to me. And when I ascend unto the upper chamber, I shall not change my company, nor even change the house. I shall only go to dwell in the upper story of the house of the Lord forever. What does that mean? This life is but a preparation for all eternity for those who know the Lord. And we look forward to that, that privilege. We look forward to that, that great uh, eternity where we get to spend eternity forever with him. 
So I ask you once again that simple question. What will your forever be like? You know, this ought to challenge our hearts, especially if, as we live this life, we continue to go our own way, not submitting ourselves under the leadership of the Good Shepherd. It's ought to challenge our hearts if, if we continue to, to live life and, and do our own thing. Let me, let me uh, just, just simply ask you this question this morning, and, and I want you to think about this sincerely. How much of your life does God give you to do with whatever you want with it, independent of him? How, how much of your life has God handed over to you? Because sometimes we get this idea, well, okay, God can have that 75%, and I'll take this 25% for me, and then it will be just fine, right? How much of that sheep's life do you think that the, the shepherd said, okay, sheep, you can do whatever you want now? When does the good shepherd ever stop caring for his sheep? When does the good shepherd ever stop having authority over his sheep? Let me give you the answer. It, it doesn't exist. There's never a time. Now, now, that doesn't mean that we get to make choices or, or, or decisions about things that we like or enjoy. That, I'm not saying that. But even in those choices and decisions, we make those choices and decisions under the authority of the good shepherd. Right? And so every portion of our life, if, if we are a sheep of the good shepherd, then that means that he's in charge. And he cares about the details. Well, I go to work. I have a job. I just have to do what the boss wants. No, let me help you. You have two bosses. <laughs> You've got the one over you, but then you still have the good shepherd. He, he did not somehow turn over his authority to your earthly boss. Both are there. When, when the, the good shepherd looks after his sheep, he looks after them in totality, every aspect of their life. You think the good shepherd cares about what job you have? Sure he does. You think he cares about whether or not your job honors him? Sure he does. Think he cares about whether or not you're using the gifts and the talents he's given you to further yourself for his glory? Sure, he does. See, God cares about every aspect of our lives. He cares about how we use the things that he has given to us, he cares about every area. And we're privileged to have a good shepherd who's there, who has a rod and a staff, who can offer to us a little bit of correction when we need it to push us and prod us along the way to live in a way that is glory to him. So the two questions, first of all, was this, who is your shepherd, right? With that comes the, the issue of where will you spend eternity. The second is this, if, if Jesus actually is your shepherd, if that is your answer today, this morning, are you allowing to him to be your shepherd over every area of your life? Or do you somehow think he's just reserved for a certain percentage or a certain day or whatever it is? Have you given it all to him? Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the power of your word. 
Lord, we do ask that you would continue to just guide us and direct us. Father, we pray for those this morning who don't have an answer to that question. Who is their shepherd? Father, I pray that the reality of who Jesus is would challenge their hearts and minds today. Father, that they would believe, that they would trust, that they would look to the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life, who died on the cross for the sins of the world, who was buried and rose again the third day, and who will one day yet again in the future come back for his children. Father, I pray that they would look to Jesus and believe that they might have eternal life and know that they would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Secondly, Father, I do pray for those who are here who have been holding back part of their life or somehow saying, this doesn't need to be under the shepherd's control. Father, I would just ask very simply that you would guide and correct Father, that you would very simply convict hearts. Father, those areas where we may be reserving a part for ourselves. We may be limiting a certain portion of our life and somehow saying this doesn't need to be under God's leadership or authority. This, this is mine. Father, would we... Repent of our pride. We convict, would we commit to changing for your glory? As the pianist begins to, uh, to play, I would ask very simply if you would just go to the Lord. If you know he's your shepherd, just thank him. If he's pointing out an area you need to change, would you just confess it and forsake it today? Father, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. We thank you that you sent Jesus to be our shepherd. Father, we would ask very simply today that you just encourage our hearts, knowing that if you are our shepherd, that you will provide for us, not just in this life, but for all eternity. Father, we thank you that a house has been prepared for your children. So, Lord, we, we look forward to that day. We look forward to that happy reunion that's yet to come. Father, we just give you praise. We thank you so much for taking care of us in ways far beyond what we could ever deserve. So Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.